0: So today's reading is taken from
1: Numbers, chapter 20, and I'll be reading from verses 1 to 13, and this can be found on page 157 of the Church Bibles. In the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin, and they stayed at Kadesh, there Miriam died and was buried. Now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this desert, that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. "'Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. "'You will bring water out of the rock for the community, "'so that they and their livestock can drink.' "'So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded them. "'He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, "'and Moses said to them, "'Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock?' Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honour me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. These were the waters of Meribah, where the Israelites quarrelled with the Lord and where he showed himself holy among them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are holy. And we pray that as we look at your word this morning, we would encounter more of your holiness And that each of our lives would be a little bit transformed by this encounter. In Jesus' name, Amen. So we're in a a sermon series looking at the book in the Bible called Numbers. And if you've got it open, I'd encourage you to keep it open. If you haven't got it open, you might like to open it up. It's Numbers uh, chapter 20, and I think it's page 157. And it's called Numbers, as we discovered in the first week, because there are lots of numbers uh, in it. It begins with a census and then there's another census uh, later on. So it's really quite a logical name for the book. And the book of Numbers recalls the story of the Israelites' journey from slavery in Egypt to freedom in the promised land where salvation has been accomplished but not yet completed. They're in this wilderness season, salvation accomplished but not yet completed. They've not arrived at the promised land of Canaan. And this journey should have taken 11 days, but it ended up taking 40 years. A journey of surrendering to God and rebelling against him. A journey of discovering God's grace in the wilderness for the Israelites then, but also for us now. So that's the journey that we're on through the book of Numbers. Now, not only are we covering a 36-chapter book of the Bible in just seven sermons, which is a little bit ambitious, uh, but in the six chapters between Numbers 14, which Rob spoke on a couple of weeks ago, and Numbers 20, which is where we are today, uh, several decades have passed, so it's important uh, to realise that. Children that were born uh, in the wilderness, they're now entering early adult adulthood. And the Israelites are moving closer to the promised land. Now, I don't know if any of you uh, have ever had the experience of nearing the end of a project, a DIY project, some kicking, something like that. And because you've relaxed a little too much, nearly there now, you've taken your eye off the ball a bit and you've made a fatal decision. I can give you, let me give you some examples. Uh, mine usually involve cooking errors, uh, where I'm nearly there with following the recipe. And then I either get distracted because, oh, it's nearly, it's nearly there and the people are turning up fine. I'll go and sort myself out. Uh, I either get distracted and do something wrong at the last moment, uh, rendering the whole cake or meal or whatever it might be, uh, inedible or else, um, I intentionally, uh, think I'll try something different I think oh I'm nearly there now now's the time to be one of those people that can add a little bit of this and a little bit of that and it turns out amazing when you go kind of off piece from the recipe so sometimes I have that moment towards the end Um, adding cayenne pepper to scrambled egg wasn't a good idea don't do it Uh, and it renders the meal completely uh, inedible it totally uh, overpowers it whatever I've added right at the end One mistake can change everything. And whilst it might not be a big deal with a cake, okay, homemade's ideal, but shop-bought's not bad tea. And you can make it look like it's homemade anyway. Um, In other areas, just one mistake does have the potential to destroy lives, When I was at theological college, one of my placements was in a prison. And one of the things that I learned was how unfortunate circumstances combined with a single wrong decision can destroy lives. The lives of the victims of crime and the lives of those who were imprisoned. And many of those that I met were teenagers, young adults with their whole lives ahead of them. Unfortunate circumstances and a single wrong decision. In the passage we have in front of us in Numbers this morning, unfortunate circumstances and a wrong decision changed everything for Moses. In fact, it ended it all for Moses. And so this Bible passage, I have to say, is... Very humbling, and especially as your church leader, because leaders, Moses doesn't come out well in this passage. But Numbers 20, 1 to 13, is also a very powerful account of who God is. If I was going to explain the Christian faith to someone that knew nothing about it, I probably wouldn't turn instinctively to the book of Numbers. And yet this passage points me to Jesus and the gospel that gives life. I find in this passage so many of the reasons why I'm Christian. And I'll tell you about those in a little bit. So Numbers 20 is full of life-changing reminders, humbling ones that in Moses' case led to death and powerful ones that have the potential to lead to life. So that's where we're going this morning. We're going to look at the humbling reminders that have the potential to lead to death and the powerful reminders that have the potential to lead, lead to life. And so the good news is coming, I promise. So firstly, humbling reminders that lead to death. Sadly, we will all likely have had the experience of someone who we've looked up to falling short. And very sadly, in the church in recent years, we've heard of horrific abuse perpetrated by church leaders, of sins of adultery and of financial dishonesty of powerful leaders failing those who they were called to serve and who have placed their trust in them. And in so doing, dishonouring God and damaging the church, the body of Christ. And it's happened in other institutions too. I think it was Lord Acton that said, uh, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. In the desert, Moses was sharing leadership of God's people with his sister Miriam and his brother Aaron. Except in verse uh, 1 of chapter 20, we're told Miriam died and was buried. On top of this, there's no water for the community. And God's people have gathered in opposition of Moses and Aaron. That's verse 2. Life is tough for the people. The journey hasn't been as they expected. They've lost family members along the way, and they still haven't arrived in the promised land. Such is their desperation. They're wishing they were dead or else longing to be back in slavery in Egypt, because at least there there was corn and figs and grapevines and pomegranates. Crucially, At this moment, they have no water and water gives life. So they complain to Moses and Moses and Aaron take the complaints of the people to the Lord. They know, Moses and Aaron, know that God is leading and sustaining them and falling face down in the entrance to the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, the place of worship and meeting with God on their journey through the wilderness. The glory of the Lord appears to them to Moses and Aram. So the people have complained to Moses and so far Moses has done what a godly leader should do, sought the face of the Lord. In the face of conflict it can be easy to turn in on ourselves, to put the drawbridge up and yet that's not what Moses does. He moves from the presence of those quarrelling with him to the presence of the Lord. And the Lord speaks to Moses and tells Moses to take the staff, go with his brother Aaron, gather the assembly and speak to the rock, which will pour forth water for the people and their livestock to drink. What does Moses do? He takes the staff from the Lord's presence goes with his brother Aaron and gathers the assembly and then has an angry outburst at the people. Listen you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? And then he strikes the rock twice with the staff. Water pours out and the people and their livestock drink but Moses and Aaron have disobeyed and dishonoured God. God is gracious, water does come from the rock, but there are consequences for Moses and Aaron. Because they didn't honour God's holiness, they didn't think God worthy of their trust, they will not lead the Israelite community into the promised land. Moses and Aaron will die before the community enters the promised land. And so three great leaders of God's people in the wilderness, Miriam has died and Moses and Aaron have fallen into disobedience. That's humbling. And it all started so well. When faced with the complaint of no water, they went into the Lord's presence. That perhaps makes it even more humbling. It all started so well. This is a humbling reminder that all leaders, even those trusted over many years, are vulnerable to falling, to failure and to sin. Moses and Aaron set out to do the right thing. But the combination of the years in the wilderness, remember decades have passed by the time we get to this point. Grief at the loss of a sister at Miriam's death and the complaining and quarrelling. It leads Moses to act as though he is God. Calling the people rebels, that wasn't for Moses to do. And striking the rock as though it's by his power that water will flow. When in fact Moses was simply commanded to speak to the rock and God would make water flow. And so if you want to know the main reason why I really protect my Fridays and take all of my annual leave, this is it. It's not that I don't care for you all enough to be available at all times, but because I care for you so much, I don't want you to encounter the worst of me when I'm grumpy and irritable and got no food in the house and haven't done the laundry. I don't want you to see that. When I'm serving in my own strength, And not God's. That's not good for the church. Moses was not the saviour in the wilderness. Judging the people and then delivering them by providing water. God was. I am not the saviour nor any person in leadership. Jesus is. That's the humbling reminder. Those in leadership, and probably all of us in different ways as we all exercise leadership in different areas of our lives, need to watch out for becoming hard-hearted, not loving the people we are called to lead, and becoming proud, putting ourselves on a pedestal that belongs only wholly completely to our holy God. So that's the humbling reminder from uh, Moses, the humbling reminder that if not followed, leads to death. Now the powerful reminders that lead to life. In these thirteen verses, I see my story. This is uh, the good news that I promised you was coming. Seeking to follow Jesus faithfully, and it being desperately hard at times. That's my story. I don't know if it's your story, T. The promise is glory, but we're not promised a journey there that's free from suffering. Suffering and glory often sit side by side when we encounter them in the Bible. And that's perhaps not surprising when the good news of Jesus is selfless, self-giving, sacrificial love. It's costly love. But I see my story in the disappointment. This isn't how it's meant to be. Following Jesus, this suffering, really, this isn't how it's meant to be. If you ever feel disappointed as a Christian, I'm with you. I see my story in the discontent and the longing for a golden age that actually never existed. I don't know if that's ever ye. I want to go back to the corn and the figs and the grapevines and the pomegranates. And yes, that was a time of slavery. But the journey, the known but unknown future, it's all too much, too scary, too out of my control. I crave the safety of the familiar, even when God has something better for me. Don't know if that's your story. And I see my story in the disobedience of Moses, the lack of trust making myself more, it all depends on me and God less. He might not deliver. In Exodus 17, uh, in a very similar situation, the people are complaining uh, to Moses. They're in their first year in uh, in the wilderness at this stage and they're complaining to Moses that they have no water. And there God tells Moses to strike the rock. This time, Moses only needs to speak to the rock. The work of striking the rock has already been completed. And this points me to Jesus who has died on the cross for our salvation once and for all. It can be easy to inadvertently act as though it's on us to save ourselves, to live in the slavery of earn it, find it, be it. When the work of salvation has already been accomplished, all that's needed from me, all that's needed from any of us is to come into the presence of God's glory, to worship him in the beauty of holiness, as the old hymn puts it, to accept, have salvation in Jesus, to let go of myself and to live in the freedom that comes from his glory, and leads to life. Despite the disappointment, discontent and disobedience, despite their human frailty, God still gave water on that second occasion in the wilderness. Moses and Aaron's distrust is punished so harshly Because of how holy and awesome God is. The people got their water, but Moses and Aaron will not lead the people into the promised land. And this might feel like a really harsh judgment, but it's harsh because God is holy. And that's fundamentally a good thing. I want a God who is bigger and greater and higher and mightier. Throughout the New Testament, there are echoes of numbers 20. Christ is described as a rock and Jesus as living water that leads to eternal life. Jesus says that whoever comes to him will never be thirsty, that rivers of living water will flow from whoever believes. So this is why I am a Christian, because the Bible is a story that makes sense of my story, and I believe it's the only story that makes sense of any of our stories. I want to worship a holy God who, as I said a moment ago, is bigger and greater and mightier than me, who isn't like humans beings, who is perfect and blameless, and in whose glory my sinfulness is exposed And is covered by his grace. Grace that gives life. I want that. The hope of a world where sin doesn't have the final say because it's exposed and covered by his grace. And that's the picture of salvation we have here in Numbers 20. A powerful reminder of the salvation offered in Jesus that leads to life. And so two reminders this morning, humbling reminders that lead to death, ones that involve um, distrust in God and powerful reminders that lead to life. Amen.